Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I have a good friend whose niece is in the military and is coming down to spend a week with her aunt. And, uh, you know, I I just send out a, a warm welcome to her. But I also uh, am mindful that last night I was around some men who had, and and I didn't notice that there were any women, but men who had served this country. And I was able to make a have a conversation with one of the men. He actually was the person who invited me to the Port St. Lucie Tea Party to be a speaker. And, you know, uh, he asked me if it wasn't difficult what I do you know, first and foremost, the amount of time it must take to do all the research and then, you know, um, the subject matter, which can be extremely um, disturbing. And I said, compared to sending an 18-year-old into the jungles of Vietnam, nah, I think I got it pretty good. And, and you know, the, the men and women who serve, including my father, and I'm sure many of you who served and many of your uh, spouses or, or husbands uh, um, or uh, or, uh, sons and daughters, when when they serve, they do it so selflessly. They're not looking for any uh, congratulatory messages. They really uh, do it for all the right reasons. And I'm just so I'm just so grateful that I live in a country where we have a volunteer army that's always ready to step it up when when not even when called on when not called on which is why the whole AI nonsense that Jack Prasobiak uh, at Human Events put up there this week, really, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, Actually, I do know how I feel about it. I'm kind of nauseated by it because I recognize, and I said this last night to the group I was speaking to, that artificial intelligence is very confusing and we don't know what's real anymore. And uh, earlier this week, uh, he put out a, a video which ostensibly shows President Joe Biden announcing that he was going to reinstate the draft and then going through uh, in what order people would be drafted. And his intent was to show how difficult it is to discern if something is uh, crafted by artificial intelligence or if it's actual footage. But it was really kind of nerve-wracking for people who may have seen it and not known what his intentions were. I did not know what his intentions were. I knew that it was a, you know, a fake, but I didn't know what the purpose of the fake was. Um, and then when I found out that it was simply to prove that you, you know you just can't trust anything, I thought to myself, but you make it worse when you exaggerate anything. 
you know, uh, I, I spoke um, yesterday about, and, and by the way, I have to let everybody out there know, often I get feedback on my monologues or on my shows, and, you know, thank goodness, uh, most of it is pretty positive. But I have received such a deluge of gratitude from people about my monologue yesterday. And it's not the first time I've done that particular subject or done it any differently. Um, but I think people are so frustrated. Uh, one of the ladies that, uh, that was there last night that I communicate with on email had said to me that, you know, she's just frantic because, because you know, people keep coming to her, people who are longtime um, Republicans, longtime Trump supporters, and they're all vacillating and, oh, Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis. And she goes, so I really needed your monologue yesterday. And, or she said this, this morning, because I saw her last night. And I get that. You know, the problem is there's nobody feeding into my spirit. You know, I'm out here on a wing and a prayer yet again, convinced that I know how this is going to turn out and convinced that I know what's best for this country. And where are all the others? Because trust me, in six months, there'll be a cavalcade of Trump supporters in the media, Trump supporters in the Republican National Committee, Trump supporters, you name it, they'll be everywhere. And they will pretend that they've been there from the get-go. And really, I'm, I'm kind of... Uh, uh, tilting on this at this windmill all by myself, unless you consider Greta van Thunberg uh, tilting at windmills in Norway, substantial. It's funny, I, I uh, filmed a segment for a Norwegian uh, media company yesterday, and I forgot to ask the, um, the news person uh, about this whole Greta Thunberg thing where she keeps getting herself arrested. You know, now I guess uh, she can't figure out you know, she just doesn't know what to do with herself. Does this child have parents? Everybody keeps telling me, oh, you know, she's autistic and she's this and that. Yeah, you know, where are her parents? Why are they allowing her to stage arrests and be carried off by police officers? And what is the point? You know, is she going to get the Nobel Peace Prize or, or nominated again for uh, allowing herself to be? Because here's the thing. She's a champion for green energy, clean energy, whatever you want to call it. And now she's protesting windmills. Like, huh? Huh? I, you know, maybe it's just me. But this is what you wanted, right? Didn't you want there to be nothing but this, you know, stupid uh, make-believe clean energy that's not going to work? And really never going to come to fruition, not in my lifetime anyway. And then when you get some of it, you're upset because, I don't know, the birds or the whales or the this or the that. You know, at least I'm consistent. You know, the birds need to, uh, you know, rest assured that the creator will take care of them. It's not my job, all right? And if we need energy, uh, whether it's us in America or third world countries trying to enter the first world, then, you know, there may be the, you may have to sacrifice a few uh, whales. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big uh, fan of whales. I don't dislike whales. But, you know, all of a sudden I'm watching, you know, Tucker Carlson always becomes like an animal rights activist. He's for chickens. He's for whales. He's for birds. Okay, you know, that's fine. He's for dogs. He's for cats. Um, you know, people know my attitude. I can barely tolerate my pets, never mind other people's pets, never mind animals in the wild. If they're in the wild, they're in the wild. I don't have any control over them. 
And if uh, the windmills uh, or, or the, the, the dredging or the this or the that is affecting them, it's probably part of the plan. Just saying, you know. Uh, but now Greta Van Thunberg or whatever her proper pronunciation is. Yesterday, Ben Shapiro did the best imitation of her I have ever heard. You know, he is a mimic of the uh, highest order. There's a couple of different people that he does better than they do themselves. And one of them is Greta Van Thunberg. And uh, he also did a, an incredible impression of the uh, Randy, whatever her name is, at the, Ameri uh, the Federation of American Teachers Union, um, is screaming and yelling. He compared her speech to his three-year-old daughter throwing a temper tantrum. It was classic. I mean, there's sometimes he just cracks me up. And yesterday was one of those times. And I needed a laugh. So I was very eternally grateful, you know. Um, there's so much to talk about today. I'm going to try to get Derek on at some point in this, isn't in this uh, you know, hour. But uh, it may or may not happen. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm so glad that the Alex Murdaugh trial is over. I, I mean, it's a disgusting, horrifying crime committed by a totally... A bankrupt human being. Now he is, uh, you know, a person who has addiction problems. He's a person who has. He's a narcissist. I mean, he got all these diagnoses, and uh, you know, I can't. I can't even sum it up like an iota of sympathy for this guy. We're not talking about just like you know, uh, killing some uh, stranger on the street uh, for your drug money. He murdered his wife and son. As Nancy Grace or uh, Judge Pirro, Janine Pirro pointed out yesterday, because the walls were closing in on this guy, he had stolen $9 million from his clients. He was an attorney, basically a, a, a what do you call them, a slip and fall attorney, but a very reputable slip and fall attorney who made tons and tons of money, had a big law firm, and then he rips off his law partners, rips off his clients, his customers, his uh, clients, and, and sits up there and goes, look, I'm a bad guy, you know, I'm a drug addict, I'm a thief, but I'm not a murderer. Um, where were you that night? Because you've told us two different stories. I mean, it's so insane to me that the country was riveted to this trial. Uh, within five minutes of hearing just the charges and some of the initial evidence, never mind once they had the Snapchat video from the kid's phone, but even prior to that, I'm looking at this so-called circumstantial evidence and I'm saying, this guy should burn for what he did. You know, there's no question in anybody's mind that he murdered his family. And, and now he goes to prison for life. You know, good. I, I, um, he, he deserves the death penalty. Sorry, but he does. He's an irredeemable, going to be a, a, a burden to the taxpayers of South Carolina, to the maybe to the federal taxpayers, and 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 he gets to live out his life in prison. His wife doesn't get to live out her life. His son didn't get to live out his life. Young man killed in the prime of his life because he was trying to do an intervention on his father who was strung out on oxycodone. This man deserves to uh, you know get the lethal injection, in my opinion. You know, he got two life terms to be served consecutively, so he's never going to get out of jail. But he's out there still going, I didn't do it. I would never do that. 
How would you know what you would or wouldn't do when you're so hooked on, uh, you know, narcotics that you would rip off your clients? Uh, he, he, he literally had some trumped up case that was about to come to court in a couple of days before he murdered everybody where he, uh, you know, took out a home insurance, home life, whatever, home owner's insurance policy, and it was worth a ton of money. And then mystically, his housekeeper goes tumbling down the stairs and dies, uh, and he makes a claim on it and then doesn't give the money to her family. This guy is so disgusting. Why would you want to keep him alive? Just saying, you know, and I'm a person who, as I pointed out last night, when I first was uh, pro-life, Back in the uh, 70s, I always used to say, and I'm anti-death penalty because that's consistent. You know, Mario Cuomo always used to say that. I'm pro-life and anti-death penalty, and it made sense to me then. I am no longer anti-death penalty because some people are so wicked, so evil, so despicable, so disgusting, uh, they deserve to die. They just do. That's all. Uh, and and uh, while I, I don't trust the state to do much, they should be able to administer a lethal injection. That's all. Anyway, um, that that's uh, today's rant, <laughs> you know, and I'm watching the judge. The judge in this case sentenced him to the two life sentences already this morning, and he knew him, okay? For years, this guy has stood in front of this judge in a court, you know, and the ju- you could tell the judge was like, you piece of garbage. He was couldn't have been happier than to give him those life sentences. Anyway, don't forget to download our 850 app, the W8 uh, WFTL app, 850 WFTL, and to go to the website. We've got all kinds of cool gifts to give away. Uh, we do have uh, gift certificates to Bole. We have some other really cool stuff, but you can't win it if you're not in it. And you can't get in it if you don't go to the website or you don't download the app. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Do the right thing. I'll be right back. And that's, uh, you know, that's, that's how I feel about it. You know, one thing for sure is I'm, uh, I'm not afraid to tell you what I think. Um, and part of the reason that I'm not afraid is because there's nothing more that can be thrown at me than has already been thrown at me. And I get that, you know, I get that there are some times when people are literally, um, scared to say what they mean and they they just don't want to be canceled they don't want to be called names they don't want their family to be effective affected but you know thank god my kids are grown up they're on the other side of the country periodically somebody will send some stupid uh you know thing where they'll uh you know where they'll say are you related to uh joyce kaufman and you know then and they know what to do they just say no <laughs> uh, it's okay. I don't mind. They don't need to be bothered by people who don't like me and are who mad at me for what I've said. Um, it's a, it's, it's actually one of the most, uh, pres- I said last night, you know, people have to pay a psychologist or a psychiatrist to go and vent about everything that is bothering them in the, uh, you know, in the, in the world, you know, in the news, in their families. And I get to tell the, you that stuff every single day. And then at the end of the day, I get paid for it. Come on. Who's got it better than me? Nobody, nobody, but I'm grateful. I really am. And I hope 
that uh, you know I deliver a product that is is worth it you know more than once in a while because when I get these like onslaughts of uh, of emails telling me what a great monologue it was the first thing of course that somebody is uh, paranoid and as I am thinks is like why weren't any of my other monologues good <laughs> but it's all good you know uh, one thing I know for sure is after 33 years doing this I better be better I better be good because otherwise, you know, I, I won't last much longer. I don't know that I'll last much longer anyway. I did want to talk about two stories, though, that really just uh, amazing, amazing to me that, that we are in the position that we find ourselves in where people are literally, a third of Americans agree with Marjorie Taylor Greene's national divorce call. Now, I first saw a call for a national divorce probably around 10 or 12 years ago. And I thought it was cute and funny. You know, they wanted to split the red states and the blue states from each other and have, uh, you know, two different countries. Now, I don't really approve of that in any way, shape, or form. You know, I'm part of the two-thirds of voters uh, who who think that that's, uh, you know, it's a fun uh, idea to joke around about, but it is not the way we do things in a republic. And uh, I would never, I would never want to be separated. You know, now that doesn't mean I wouldn't want California to be sold off to Mexico because I would, and I think you could probably sell off a couple of other states too. Why don't don't make that face? You know, I I have two children and 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 two in laws, and I have four grandchildren living in California, but that's their choice. If they want to live in a third world state, then they might as well, you know, pay their taxes to the uh, Mexican government and, and hope that they take care of them because it won't be long before they all end up here in Florida, which is a good thing, right? You know, I do anything to get my kids to move back to Florida. I think I've got Derek really close, but uh, my daughter, no, not, I, I, I think uh, she won't even come if I when I pass she won't even come to the funeral I'm just kidding she probably would make an appearance <laughs> wouldn't stay very long though it's not that she you know doesn't like Florida at all she just has made her life somewhere else much like I made my life here I don't go back to New York people say to me how many times a year do you go back to New York how about only if I have a reason how about I went back for a hundredth birthday party last year and since nobody's turning 100 this year in New York, I won't be going back. I used to go once a year to a, a broadcaster's convention. And then I like outgrew broadcaster's convention. You know, what do I need to stand around with a bunch of people who do the exact same thing I do? And we either pat each other on the back or else we glare at each other or whatever. I No, I stopped going for that. And so now... Um, I have no desire to go see the the shell of a city that I once loved, that I grew up in, that when I left, I said, I'll be back. And then, of course, uh, that got further and further away from my reality. You know, just the whole idea of the level of woke in New York. And I still have some friends and family there, including my brother, who, you know, I love dearly, but he's so woke. You know, he gets... He's, he's 70, his birthday is next week, March 10th, right? He'll be 78 years old, okay? So he's no spring chicken. And he lives in the uh, East Village 
on uh, you know uh, uh, in a in an area which is full of you know the Bette Midlers of the world. But he doesn't live like Bette Midler. He's in a rent control apartment. Thank you, Lord. And so he walks to the park every day um, with a cane. You know, he's he's you know he's he's not in good health. Let's put it that way. He limps. He walks with a cane, and. Uh, you know, he's, he's hard of hearing to the point of being virtually deaf. He's got glasses that are as thick as Coke bottles. And some kids jump him the other day. Now, he didn't get badly hurt. He got pushed to the ground. And he tells me the story. And I go into a, 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 a freak out, okay? And I don't freak out very often. And I said, that's it. You're moving here. He doesn't like Florida at all. First of all, he doesn't drive, never drove in his life. So what's he going to do down here? <laughs> he's going to be stuck wherever he is for eternity. And so he's not interested. And he loves New York. He loves New York. So I said, well, aren't you afraid? And he goes, nah, you know, they didn't kill me. That's such a New York attitude, right? They didn't kill him. They could have broken his one fairly good leg. You know, he's just lucky that he fell softly. They took what little money he had on him because I've already told him you're not to walk in these streets with money in your pocket. You know, uh, he, he, if you have to have a, 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 a debit card, you know, with a little bit of money on it, stick it in your sock and, and keep it moving, but don't carry money. So they didn't get anything, you know, they, they didn't get anything from him. They just did it because they're mean and they're nasty. And so, you know, do I want to divorce New York? No, I just don't want to visit it. You know, it, it can stay part of the union because it gives me something to talk about. That's all. And and trust me, he defended the people who pushed him down. Don't don't even ask me to explain that to you because I just sat in uh, in abject amazement. You know, what? Yeah, you know, people are people are going through and people are struggling and people don't have and people this and people that and young people just uh, you know they don't know how to behave. How about? You should have taken that cane and bopped them both upside the head. But that's just me. All right, uh, let me take a break. You're listening to the Friday d uh, edition of the Joyce Kaufman Show, which means the weekend is like literally 30 minutes away. I couldn't be more ready for it. You stay right where you are. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAP podcast.com we will be talking with derek in the uh, next segment of the program but for now you know i, I just uh, i was gratified that most of the people that i was speaking to and with last night were pretty much on the same page as me and you know it's i find myself in the most awful and awkward position sometimes because i don't want to take anything away from a guy who happens to be possibly the best governor in the country and probably the best governor uh, in Florida in my lifetime. You know, Governor DeSantis is a great governor. 
And one day, Governor DeSantis will probably be a darn good, you know, uh, senator or even president. Uh, he's a he's a smart guy, but he's a professional politician, and that part always makes me gag. And I, I did have enough people last night who understood why I say that. You know, I just I I don't like people who've never built anything um, running everything. You know, that's where we get in trouble. We have these bureaucracies that are full of these bureaucrats who never built a darn thing in their lives. You know, I talk about Marco Rubio all the time. And believe me, of late, Marco Rubio has been showing a lot more spunk uh, than I gave him credit for. And he's been on the right side of just about every issue that I hear him talking about, which is a great thing. You know, listen, if he grew into his role, that's great. I'll never vote for him. I didn't vote for him in this election. I just can't because he lied to me, to my face. And there's very few things that, that make me angrier than to be lied to. And I gave him every opportunity to not lie. I said, don't say it if you don't mean it, because I'm going to hold you to it. And don't say it. It's on tape. Don't say it. Don't say it. And he had to do it. He felt he just wanted to win his election so badly that he said, I'll never, I'll never be for amnesty. I'll never vote for any kind of immigration bill that doesn't include you know, penalties and blah, blah, blah. And then he gets to Washington, and it's like the gang of eight. You know, so no, you know, some, I value loyalty, I value integrity, and I value somebody who's built something. Marco Rubio, since the day he graduated from law school, has been in civil service, meaning his paycheck is signed by the taxpayer, okay? Um, the same thing for Governor DeSantis. He was in the military, your paycheck is signed by the taxpayer. I mean, you know, it comes from the Department of Defense. And if you're in Washington, it comes from, you know, the uh, federal government. But essentially, I'm paying your salary, the taxpayer. And, you know, I just get tired of people who had a job, never built a business, never um, had to sign the front of a paycheck. Now, I can talk to a lot of you in this audience because you and I are similar in this way. We had to make our way in the world. I wasn't born into a family that could get me some, you know, uh, benefit by the virtue of my name. I wasn't born into a family that had money, um, you know, and, and I had to go out and figure out how to earn a living. I had to educate myself or uh, get an education, which would enable me to get a job that could then support me and my two children. Uh, it wasn't always that way. There was a husband once upon a time in the early uh, part of the, <laughs> the early part of last century, and 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 I didn't have to do everything on my own. But from 1983 until very recently, when I remarried ten years ago, I pulled all the weight, and I did it because that's the kind of ethic I was raised with. You know, my father would it just, if we needed something, if my mother wanted a new couch, or if I wanted to get a piano and piano lessons, my father would get another job. He would go to work at the post office all day long, come home, take a nap, and then go out and be a security guard at Davis Warshaw Pipe Company in Brooklyn. Or he'd get a third job if he needed it for one reason or another. Um, I was always taught 
that you have to pull your weight. You have to earn a living. And so from the time I was very young, I knew how to pull my weight. I had my first job. I looked at my social security statement the other day. You know how they send you like what, the years of earnings and how much you earned. And I was shocked. I'm sure I've known this before, but I hadn't seen that or looked at it in a long time. And I was really shocked. I was born in 1953. And the first year where there's a record of my earnings, meaning where taxes were actually withheld from my earnings, was 1967. So I was 14 or 15 years old. And ever since then, there's been employment. Now, I worked with parental per per permission in the early stages, uh, but... I didn't, you know, I wasn't forced into labor, uh, child labor or anything like that. I actually had really kind of cushy, cushy, wonderful jobs in entertainment. Like, okay, you know, that's what I wanted to do and what I wanted to be, you know, producing at a radio station, singing and dancing on a stage, you know, it's hardly a, you know, a hard knock life. Um, and I, I look at that and I think to myself, you know, I have grandchildren who I suspect won't get a job until they leave graduate school, meaning they'll be like in their late 20s <laughs> before they actually have a job. You know, at least I can say that Derek and Jenya both went to work at 15. They wanted a car. They had to pay for car insurance. They wanted, uh, you know, a little more freedom. They wanted to be able to go to whatever, Universal or whatever they wanted to go to. They had to have some money, right? And I wasn't going to provide that, not for those things. You know, it, it, we lived in a benevolent dictatorship. I paid for their food. I paid for their clothing. I paid for their books. I paid for, you know, uh, their sports teams, uh, dues and uniforms and all that other stuff. But above and beyond that, if they wanted something, they had to earn it. And as a direct result, my kids have worked also. If they look at their social security statements in 10 years, they're going to see the same thing I saw from the age of 15. Derek was at Nutrition Depot working. Jenny was at Whole Foods. Actually, before that, she was at some, you know, uh, uh, Delights ice cream dewery, wherever you could get hired at that young age. But they always worked, and they still always work. You know, Derek works and has worked throughout his uh, young, uh, teenage years and adult life. Never been unemployed in his life. Never. My daughter, Jenya. I think during medical school, she took one year off. That's it. That's it. They have always worked. And there's something about work that makes life better. And it certainly makes your community better. So when Marco Rubio and Ron DeSantis and all these other people, when the jobs that they have are not jobs that they created or that they actually had to uh, do something extraordinary to obtain... But rather, they get into this track. You know, if you go to Harvard and you go to Yale and you're in Skull and Bones or you go to Stanford or you go to the, you know, Columbia, you know, you're in this track where things are made a lot easier for you, but you got to work, right? If you don't want to work, you get into politics. You become a city commissioner and you become a city councilman and then you become a mayor and then you become a state uh, representative and then you become a state a senator, and then you become a congressman or a senator, and I just described Marco Rubio, and then you become a governor. I just described Ron DeSantis. At least Ron DeSantis did time in the military, but nonetheless, he was a JAG officer. You know, he was at Guantanamo Bay, 
let's not uh, add more glamour to it than is necessary. Now, the other contender, and still in the lead, in spite of whatever you'll read in the papers, is a person who, you know, uh, grew up fairly advantaged, but in Queens. You know, advantaged in Queens is not like uh, advantaged in Dunedin. But he grew up, and he had the kind of father that I grew up with and the kind of mother I tried to be who said, go get a job, go do something. If you can't earn a living, you're going to have a really tough time because I'm not going to carry your weight. When I sent my kids off to school, and I sent them off to prestigious universities, I said to them, Actually, I drove them both because we had to take all that nonsense that they put in the dorm rooms. A and I said to them when I dropped them off, one in, uh, in, in Cambridge and the other in Manhattan, I said to them, you know, I, I wish you the best, you know, do, do well, study, you know, use your God-given talents and, and learn as much as you can, but you can never come home. <laughs> you can only visit, right? You cannot, you can't come home and live here. Now, it's a different world today, and I know a lot of parents are forced in. Their kids can't find affordable rent, can't buy a house, can't get married. But I told my kids, you know, we're, I'm done. I did what I was supposed to do. I was supposed to raise you. I was supposed to get you uh, enough of an education so that you could uh, um, survive in the cold, cruel world. I did that. Good luck. You know, <laughs> yeah. You, if you want to see me, my kids send me plane tickets to come visit them. I don't send them plane tickets. My kids are uh, professionals who make tons of money. You want me to come out there? You want me and Poppy to come out there? You know, here's the uh, available times that we can fly out on JetBlue. I only fly JetBlue to California. I don't do Spirit, and I don't do uh, uh, American Airlines or any of the other ones. JetBlue, here's the times, you know, book the flights, and I'll see you when I get there. You know, come on. It's the last generation that's going to be able to say that, though. I don't think my grandchildren are going to be in a position to, you know, care for their uh, parents even minimally, Min minimally, minimally, whatever the right word is. But you get my drift. And that's too bad because every succeeding generation is supposed to do better than the last, aren't they? Just hasn't worked out that way in the last uh, 30 years. So that's two generations when you get right down to it. And it's a cry and shame. We did that. Uh, bloggers are going to have to register with the state or pay a fine. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you think that uh, that this governor could get elected in the in the far reaches of of America, think again. Not that I fault him. Bloggers registering, okay. DeSantis is weaponizing libel suits, okay. Speech crusade would cancel Fox, okay. What can I tell you? Let me take a break. When we come back, uh, Derek will be on with me. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro, who had me roaring yesterday. At uh, 6 o'clock, uh, it'll be the WPTV News. And then it is the weekend. So I hope you have something fun planned. I have one more segment left. Be right back. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood as only the Kaufman family can bring it. 
All right, and uh, we missed each other last week, but uh, my son Derek is here for the segment on celebrity gossip. How you doing, kid? I'm hanging in there. How are you? We had a big week at the office. We launched our TMZ Audio Network, which is exciting because I'm spearheading it, and uh, I hope everyone will download the podcast. I'm working. I host one with Jason, the other lawyer here, called Last Days, where we do uh, biggest celebrity death stories we've ever broken, and and, and others. Uh, we'll hope everyone checks it out. Paul Walker, Robin Williams, Ew. Uh, Amy Winehouse, they're up. Yeah, no, it's Ew. exciting. Check it out. I know, but that's that's your show is based on the the deaths that you f- were the first ones to report. That's so morbid. Not always us reporting it, but look, we get the accurate information. We get it out to people as quickly as possible, and yeah. you know, people love celebrities and they love these types of stories and done in a very respectful way. Don't worry, even though it's TMZ, we we handle it with care. Good. I hope so. Don't, you know, I, I spent enough years embarrassing you with my radio program, uh, you know, to turn about exactly. fair play, I guess. Well, all right. You know, I'm coming out there. I'm getting to go to Harry Potter World, whatever that is. I have no idea. I know. We're that... going to put you in the sorting hat. The sorting hat? Oh, you don't <laughs> even know about sorting hats? That's That's to determine which house at Hogwarts you live in. You better know this stuff before you see your... So a newly minted seven-year-old granddaughter. She's very heavily into the mythology of Harry Potter. Okay, I'll have to do a, like a, a a quick study on on all of this stuff. But while I'm there, do you think you could get me on uh, the the karaoke show, the James Corden carpool karaoke, like uh, Kim Kardashian? Uh, you know, I don't know if I can book you a, a seat. He doesn't have many shows left, but of his few remaining. Uh, Kim's in the in the in the passenger seat for this one, and she's been on James Corden before. Um, but she's doing another carpool karaoke, and there there are shots of them uh, visiting, you know, a convenience store at a gas station, and he's probably going to pick out a bunch of silly sunglasses and stuff. And she looks, you know, like Kim. She looks like a Marvel superhero with a with a, like 15 inch waist and a full hourglass <laughs> figure in in her ripped jeans. So I'm sure this will be you know, very heavily watched. And James Corden is, is winding down his show, but he's doing it in style. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I watched it a few times, but, uh, you know, I, I did tune into his emotional goodbye monologue uh, or where he was talking about how he's leaving um, or he was leaving the whatever that show is called. It's not the karaoke. Yeah, the late, 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 late show. Yeah. Yeah, The Late Show. Um, I watched that the other day to try to figure out who he is. But, it's, you know, uh, he, he, is, he look, does... He's a polarizing figure. He, you know, he's a late-night host, so those are usually just gregarious, upbeat guys. But there were stories about him sort of having some harsh words for some restaurant employees. And his right. reputation has taken a hit as of late. Um, but he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> if you host a late-night show for that many years, you can have a soft head. Yeah, I guess so. Well, you had to be following that uh, Murdoch case as like everybody else in America was. I mean, it is ha- happens to uh, be, I think, one of the most disgusting, hard to uh, wrap my mind around murder cases in a long time. And yesterday I heard OJ weigh in on it, which really um, gave me a headache. Yeah, you know, O.J. has become sort of, I don't know what you would call him, the public ombudsman, whenever these types of uh, topics uh, come to light. Obviously, this is a double homicide, so people are saying, hey, I, I know the most famous uh, double homicide. I'd love to hear his views on it. O.J. Right. sort of 
leans into these things and gave a a little uh, explanation of his views of the case and whether Alex Murdaugh would would get off, what his chances were, and so forth. Uh, he ended up getting convicted. Two counts oh. of murder, two counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. I mean, this jury absolutely uh, thought he was guilty, even though he has maintained his innocence. They reached the verdict in less than three hours of deliberation. I mean, this was a horrific double homicide where his wife Maggie and Paul were killed by different guns. His alibi fell apart when a video surfaced of him at the dog kennels on their property, uh, you know, moments before the murders when he said he sort of wasn't there and came upon them already killed. So he is life is effectively over. And the judge, what was interesting, kind of indicated that he thought the death penalty might have been uh, a better way to sort of present the case and, and for prosecutors to pursue the death penalty and said, look, if this isn't heinous enough, I don't know what is. I, I right. certainly impose a death penalty for less heinous murders. And you don't hear a judge sort of come down that way uh, too often. No, I said the same thing in my monologue today that, you know, if ever there was a reason to have a death penalty, uh, Alex Murdaugh, that narcissistic, uh, um, you know, family killer, uh, certainly should have gotten it. Um, but it was interesting that, that his lawyer, because Harpoolian is a great lawyer, allowed him to get up there on the witness stand. I mean, once that happened, I knew he was going to get convicted because he's not a sympathetic character at all. I found it fascinating as well. You know, Murdaugh is a lawyer himself, so I wonder if it's one of those cases where a client uh, didn't know uh, what was best for his own good, because you rarely see defendants uh, present on the stand, especially in cases like this, because it can go so poorly. You know, he's not very sympathetic in any respect. This is a very wealthy family in a pretty small area of, of South Carolina where the community's really turned on them recently, so I didn't know what the upside they thought, but apparently, uh, you know, you're the, you have to follow your client. If the client wants to take the stand in their own defense, uh, he will do so. So that's what yeah. happened here. I'm not sure if he did it over the lawyer's objection or the lawyer uh, sort of wanted him to do so, but it did not go well. Yeah, it did not go well. And can you imagine? He goes, yeah, I robbed $9 million from my law firm. And yeah, I ripped off all my customers. And yeah, the housekeeper fell. And I was about to go to court for a civil case where I didn't pay her family the money I owed them. But I'm not a killer. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's how he tried to present the case, though. He tried to fall on the sword about all these financial misdeeds. Uh, but maintain that, yeah, I'm an awful person, but I wasn't awful in this instance. It was certainly a strategic call to sort of just uh, admit to a bunch of things and, and maintain your innocence on others, but it backfired. I mean, yeah. he's going to spend the left, rest of his life in prison. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, and like the judge said, the judge who, by the way, had been in the courtroom with him as an attorney numerous times. So, you know, it, that that had to be uh, an interesting, uh, I, I wonder if that doesn't give some sort of grounds for appeal, but I doubt it. Even uh, Dershowitz said yesterday, nah, you can't win an appeal in this case. Yeah, it, it would have to be, it would take a monumental procedural error or something to, to reverse a verdict like this, but I'm sure he'll exercise all his rights to uh, challenge it. Uh, he's fighting for his life at this point. Yeah. Um, I also, you know, I, I, I feel like I have to ask you, Matthew McConaughey is, you know, had a, uh, uh, an interesting life, to say the very least. And the other day I reported on this flight that reached some, you know, altitude uh, coming out of Washington, D.C., and then it was a Lufthansa flight, I believe, and, uh, you know, they showed these pictures of, of broken glass and the whole interior of the plane is a mess. He was on that flight? 
he and his wife were on this Lufthansa flight, as you said, uh, which had to make an emergency landing in in Washington, D.C. They were, you know, he lives in Texas very famously. They took off from Austin. They were trying to get to Germany for some reason. And the turbulence was so bad that the plane lost 4,000 feet of, of altitude pretty swiftly. Uh, and it caused, you know, real disarray in the cabin. You can imagine maybe they lost some pressure. There's bread rolls all over the ground. There's broken glass. This is quite a scene, and it must have been absolutely terrifying. Um, they then got on a rescheduled flight, and his wife, Camilla Alves uh, McConaughey, was, was, you know, sort of doing a, a social media post talking about how scary it was, and the pilot actually told them that their next flight would have 45 minutes of turbulence, uh, even flying out of D.C., and you start to feel kind of cursed, <laughs> or uh. immediate PTSD setting in. Yeah. Well, listen, i got to get on a plane in uh, 72 hours, so i got to put this out of my mind. And I they, hope you'll have a smooth ride to, to Los Angeles and nothing like the McConaughey terrifying <laughs> flight. You know, although I, I did learn one thing from their experience, and that is if it, something like that were to happen, g- immediately get on Instagram and let the whole world know about it. Anyway, that's, I will. That's, s- that's the world we live in. <laughs> it is. I will see you soon. Is there anything you want from Florida? You need a, you know, anything, you know, that oh, you're missing? Oh, you know all my favorite treats. Bring me something that I love from my youth. <laughs> okay. And just bring I, yourself. All right. See you soon. Thanks, kid. See you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. All right. That uh, pretty much does it for me. I can't believe how quickly this week went by. And I had to do all that driving yesterday, but uh, it was actually um, it was actually a good week. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm at peace. You know, I've had some strange things happen in the world, but uh, uh, I can still, I can still uh, keep my 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 positive outlook. I just try not to look at what's going on in Washington for a couple of days. Anyway, I will be on the air on Monday, and then uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, I will be uh, <laughs> at Hogwarts or something like that. So, uh, but I'll be back on on Thursday. So don't worry, we got best of tapes. Uh, Sharina's been putting compiling things together, and if you really loved that monologue from yesterday. We're going to rebroadcast that and a couple of other segments that we had a lot of reaction to. So there's no reason not to listen. As a matter of fact, you might have missed something that you really shouldn't have missed. I thank you for your time this time until next time. Now, my plan is to be back here on Monday, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are their tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And do something really interesting this weekend. You know, go to a movie, go to a concert, do something besides look at the television screen and see just how awful the uh, political scene is in D.C. or Tallahassee. May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.